Hello, I'm Aidan Gallagher. I'm Peter Reeves. Welcome to API, our integration podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to set the world to rights on various topics in the world of enterprise integration, and it scratches our collective itches as engineers who just want to uh, rant about enterprise IT over a cup of coffee. Or tea. Hello, Peter. Hello, Aidan. How are you? Um, I'm good, yes. How are you? I'm okay. Sun is shining and very happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Sun's not shining here, but uh, that makes me happy as well. <laughs> Miserable, like me. Miserable. <laughs> a, a, ni- a nice, cool grey is the sky where I am. Uh, so what are we going to be talking about today, Peter? We're going to be talking about some incredible, interesting facet of integration. It's the topic that everyone wants to talk about. It's what everyone comes into computer science and enterprise IT to work on. The shared database, we should clarify. We're not doing database theory, we're doing the usage of shared databases. What this has stemmed from is, for this series, when we're looking at integrating systems and how systems integrate, there are common problems that need to be addressed. Things like unreliable or slow network, or applications being different and being subject to independent or codependent change, and they also don't share availability. So to combat these issues, there were four main solution types uh, that have emerged and evolved. File transfer, messaging, shared databases, our topic for the day, and remote procedure calls. This is from your, uh, this is from your background as a classically trained uh, integration architect. Exactly. Yeah. If, 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 if we're wondering where this comes from. So what we're doing in this series is just describing how the solutions sort of map to the integration problems. I don't think what we want to do is deep dive into the systems. We're not going to be telling you about shared database indexing or primary keys and foreign keys are or, or, or even specific products. But instead, we're just going to explore what the role of a shared database is in the context of integrating. Yes. Target or the target audience for our uh, podcast. It's uh, this is this is pop integration. This isn't deep dive. <laughs> we'll we'll discuss some. We might discuss some database concepts lightly, but we're not by no means we're going into it in the level that you would do in like a computer science degree, or if you were actually programming a database or something like that. So why don't you start us off with what a database is, Peter? What is a database? It is a big blob where you can store some state. Correct. But that's not the definition you wanted. No, it is. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. That, that is a database, yeah. A database is a big file somewhere on a file system which has got some state, and the bit that we're probably interested in a little bit more is the database management system, which is a, I want to say, a software wrapper around it which allows you to do your CRUD actions, do your creates, updates, deletes into the database, and that's how, and it is through that that you interact with the, with the database, with the information inside it. The data. Describe. I feel it's bad to describe a database using the word data. It's a place where you store your data. It feels a bit recursive to me. <laughs> Databases come in different types, don't they? We've got relational, which I think is what most people will be familiar with. I want to describe relational databases as almost like traditional databases because, yes, when we think about tables and rows and indexes and references and all that, that's that's normally relational database land. Then you've got the other type, which I could say non-relational, everything else, which is always like cool, trendy, in-memory caches and 
key value. We're a hip startup, and we do everything in Redis. But what 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 makes where does the relational come into it? Uh, the relational is referring to the relations between uh, tables and indexes, all those things we said in the introduction that we weren't going to talk about. We weren't going to talk about. Correct. Well, I think I think it's worth just briefly saying how they're different. So like. The relation relational is is quite um, specific in its tables, rows, columns, and there's keys that I that can be used to identify and and quickly move about, uh, quickly find and extract data from from other tables. Mm. And the reason and and it's uh, the way that you'd query that is through um, structured query language or SQL or SQL or SQL. I actually I actually looked this up beforehand how you how you meant to pronounce SQL. And apparently you can get away with both, but I think can. I think that the initial the initialized version SQL is 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 maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit more common. I'll, I'll do a very quick aside. Uh, originally, <laughs> uh, SQL structured query language came from um, something called S E Q U L U E L, so it was SQL, as in the word was SQL, mm. um, and and SQL basically diverged from that. So SQL is is probably the the correct pronunciation, but we won't go, we won't go into those sorts of arguments. <laughs> and then we've gone to. And then if we look at non-relational, they're basically all the trendy ones. So it's graphical, hierarchical, um, but they're also the more basic ones as well. Um, so if you want the most basic uh, database you can get, you might just have a key pair. Mm-hmm. So you might have uh, Peter and then your password and then Aiden and my password. And that's a very simple um, database lookup of passwords, for example. So so why, why do we use the different types? Uh, because we're opinionated and sarcastic about the technologies which we use. <laughs> it depends what you're doing. Yeah, it's um, pro- probably not the correct answer, but by default, if you're looking to store some data, you would typically use a relational database, something off the shelf. And then if you think you've got a more specialised use case, like, for example, you're working in a particular field, like doing lots of scientific data, or you've got a very particular niche use case, like you need to... Uh, this has got to be incredibly fast and edge of network or it's got to be very thin or low low resource. Or if you've got complex requirements like yes. um, extreme reliability or, or, or whatever. The um, Yeah, I think at that point when you're sort of coming off the main path, that's when you're going to start looking at non-relationals to do those uh, advanced levels of, of, database, um, of database stuff. So how does this relate to us in the integration world? It relates to us because inevitably someone's got to integrate with the database. Um, in my old world view, where I think where I think of everything as either being in a system of engagement layer and a system of record layer, and then little slices of integration. Obviously, something has to actually run the system of record layer. Inevitably, you will have to um, you will have to store some state unless you're doing some incredibly unless your organization is a pure function as a service company. You you'll probably have to store some state somewhere, and it's got to go somewhere. And your systems have got to use it, unfortunately. And I think it relates to us, um, as you were saying, because because of the need for a, a stateful, reliable storage of data. Mm-hmm. Um, and the shared database comes into it because of um, needing to access that data from independent and isolated systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so we move on to shared database, which is a, a 
a database where the data can be accessed by one or more integrated systems. Um, and the aim, obviously, is for the data to remain consistent without requiring um, multiple points of access or multiple, basically, replicas of the same data to be floating around in many places. So this is my favourite example. If me and you were writing a document, if, I, if we lay down a template, we both started editing that template at the same time, later on, we've got to reconcile the sections that we've uh, agreed to write. So we're going to have two versions, the same document, that we've both edited independently. And at some point in the future, either going to have to reconcile that or there's going to be somewhere where the data overlaps and that might not get reconciled. That might just get overwritten. And how do we know which one? Who's is the true? Who's is the who's is the true and correct information, and exactly, and who yeah. gets ignored? Who wins in that collision? But if you're using a, if you've got a shared database, what you can do is say, okay, I'm updating this little section. You're updating that little section. And whenever we both check, well, you know what what is what is Pete what has Peter submitted? We'd both get back the exact same information mm -hmm. because it would keep its it would keep that that consistent state for all users of the database at that time until one or both of us have committed our changes okay so can we uh, let's start to summarize some of the benefits of a shared da shared database well actually before we get onto that let me start discussing how i picture it in my head because quite often i picture a database with some kind of adaption layer sat in front of it I always think about a database as always having some sort of HTTP endpoint. I know you you shouldn't really think of it like that, but I always assume that there's going to be some kind of HTTP service bolted to the front of that. Which um, properties do you think are properties of the database itself and which are properties of the adaption layer? Or are they really one of the same, given what we said about database management systems? Um, from an integrating systems point of view, I would say you would treat them both the same. Good. That was the answer that I wanted. Uh, I feel as though that kind of thin adaption layer that handles those sort of gotchas for you and prevents people from having to do difficult SQL also gives many of the benefits of a shared database. I think that's a good point, Peter. And I think that's a perfect example of fronting the what was once quite a difficult database to interact with with some form of HTTP or, or basically remote procedure call on top of the shared database. Obviously that's combining solutions, which is absolutely fine. But I think what it shows is that, that databases are very easily understood because of the amount of people who use them and the familiarity within organizations, they're actually really quick to develop as well. They're quick to build out that, that data into, into whether it's tables and rows or whether it's using JSON to, to store a, a document, for example. So I, I think you're right on the money there. People just want to be able to make their CRUD operations. They don't really care how, and they don't necessarily care about the explicit engineering behind it. They just want an endpoint to send their create, read, update, delete requests. Again, going back to trying to use multiple files, rather than us having a file each, if we're both accessing the same data, you'd see the same if we're on an online doc editing tool. Mm -hmm. We jump on there, and it's very convenient for us to work on that in the same place at the same time. And I think that's a good analogy for a database. We're both editing parts of a database at the same time. And because it's shared, the database, or in our analogy, the, the, the document is, is handling who's changing what 
and it's saying, okay, you can't change this because it's being changed already. It's handling all that for you. It's really convenient. We aren't being forced to work on two separate insulated documents and then have some inevitable meeting where we come together as two people and reconcile all the differences. We're able to both consume one endpoint. We're able to do a really good integration practice and do some reuse. We love reuse. We love it when multiple clients and consumers can consume the same service um, because that means that we don't have to start spinning up individual things for individual people. Also, there's the synchronized, that, that data's obviously synchronized um, and it's consistent. So it means no matter how many new uh, application endpoints I attach, they're all accessing the same, uh, the same data. So if we have 100 stores uh, getting their stock from the same warehouse, it's always reliable. It, all of them know the exact stock level. And when they all update, because they've taken stock from the warehouse, uh, they all know how much stock is left in the system. Yep, consistency. So if we look at why we might not use... Uh, a shared database or maybe the limitations of using a shared database what do you think they might be from the integration point of view yeah so first i would say why we you said why we would not use it but really yeah these are limitations and these are necessary evils um as much as they make things difficult well that's the that's the only way that you can do it you have got to store your state somewhere i would say the fact that there is the concept of a lock. Quite often, if you've ever written any kind of application that does have to talk to a database and you don't have a nice, friendly, thin HTTP adaption layer in the way, you'll often end up having to write that sort of logic into your application code to handle uh, locking and uh, all the error handling around that. That's just a fact of life that if two people try and update the same thing at the same time, someone has to lose out and someone has to... Uh, either find that their commit fails or it's just not working for them. Exactly, yeah. So it's that contention on mm -hmm. the database, which just adds complexities, doesn't it? So if there's a, if there's 100 systems, say the uh, shops trying to update the warehouse, if they're all trying to update the exact same uh, stock list, so order, think of a, of a recent uh, historical event that happened around the world in 2020. A face there mask. Was... If, 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 uh, if a chemist in... One city sells an order for one box of face masks, and a chemist in another city sells an order for one box of face masks. But it turns out that in the warehouse, you've only got one box of face masks left, and 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 they both sell that at the same time. Well, who gets it? Who gets it? Indeed. So they're the sort of concerns that you need to understand as the application owner, mm -hmm. even if you're not controlling the database. And you need to understand how to uh, basically remedy that um, if the database doesn't do it itself. Yeah. What about if both of the systems connect into the database, do the ordering, and the reconciliation of that order isn't uh, affected live? Now, at that point, you're looking at potentially contention of the truth. So um, whose order actually made it in time? When, when you say it wasn't done live, as in to, to extend the example... They do it. They 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 run the stock update job overnight, and they found and they found that they've got negative one boxes of face masks in the warehouse, trying to realise where the heck this has gone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you you've got some contention of truth, or even if if um, one or both lose uh, network access and they're cashing their calls, at some point you're going to have to rectify that contention. Yes. At some point, they have to replay all the failed transactions into the database to get the system back in the correct state. 
and they need to do it in some form of order. Yeah. So that um, when they run out, they can they can cancel. And you're going to have to handle that errors or that 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 um, later caching of of, of the later failing of a, of a cached um, request. Have you ever been at a uh, as a consultant? Have you ever been at a uh, client who's ever who's had to do that? I know of clients that I've been in afterwards and talked about how we could avoid it happening again. Have you? Uh, I, I think the same. I've not been there on the day where someone's realised that, that it's all gone wrong and they're going to have to replay every transaction into the database overnight to get it back into the correct state. Doesn't sound fun, does it? I wouldn't really wish it on anyone, I don't think. So another um, point now that I think about it is the... as. I don't know. As as new McDonald's stores join the join the franchise mm-hmm. uh, at an alarming rate, one might say, if they're all using a central individual um, database or shared database that is centralised, yeah, they it's very likely that eventually that system's going to get swamped with just so much data or so many calls, mm-hmm. and you're going to be looking at things like latency to to get the call. If you've got a thousand restaurants trying to order. Or, or clock the same data change at the same time or at an extremely fast pace, yep. what you're going to end up with is um, some systems might never actually be able to get onto the database and they might never be able to get that lock to make that commit that transaction. Yeah, system simply because uh, your setup has become so complex uh, that at that point you really need to do some housekeeping both of your database and probably of your application, uh, if you've got such a large distributed worldwide application uh, with so many instances that are all going for the same uh, single fragment of data, uh, then there probably will be latency issues. Actually, a limitation that we haven't really spoken about is housekeeping, because uh, probably databases need a bit more housekeeping than your average um, application. There's, there's, there's two things here. There's first, yes, the housekeeping that... Uh, an application talking to a database and the database itself probably needs to be uh, probably needs more effort put into maintaining it because quite often you'll have to clear data down or you'll have old records which aren't necessarily need to be there. You need to make sure that as your um, as your log of data grows, is everything still relevant? Are, are all, is everything that your applications are calling still relevant? And then there's all the operational stuff. Yeah, so that's, that's a, I think there's, there is a term that we use for um, letting your database get out of control, and um, that's called a data swamp. So when you've got more, so many databases combining together or there's a large unmanaged pool of data um, or it's not easy to pull or get information, it's uh, known as a data swamp. And uh, that is something that has its own uh, articles. I'll, I'll, I'll post a, a blog that describes that because I don't think we'll have time to talk about it today. Sorry, I, I interrupted you, Peter. What, what were you saying about operations? That's fine. I was mentally interrupting myself. I was highlighting that um, whereas the rest of your stack is probably cool and trendy and modern and stateless, um, Unfortunately, database and database backup and restore has its own suite of gotchas. So you need to be constantly thinking about, given that your data is probably of, of paramount importance within your organization, if you lose it or if it becomes uh, inconsistent, then you will be in a, then you'll be having a pretty bad time. You need to think about the effort and the process that needs to happen in terms of 
backing up, snapshotting, and then recovering, and then uh, thinking about your recovery, recovery point objective and your recovery time objective. Point objective is the... Uh... Uh, classic, yeah, the classic RPO and RTA, so the recovery point objective, so what moment in time you want to go back to, and the recovery time objective, so how, how, long, you want bef- uh, how long you have to be able to wait before your, your system's recovered. So a recovery point objective might be um, midday every day, and the recovery time objective might be one hour. So I want to roll back to the recovery point objective, so midnight yesterday, it, within an hour of uh, understanding that the system is completely gone. <laughs> yeah, and then you've got to start thinking about, okay, well, if my recovery point objective is until midnight, and, and you discover that you discover the failure at 1am, you've got to start thinking, okay, well, what about the transactions that I process between midnight and 1am? Well, at that point, you open yourself up to uh, potential data conflicts as well. Um, so what happens if you go to add another transaction, but the rollback left a couple of uh, transactions um, sitting on the system, and maybe the, um, maybe the cleanup wasn't complete, what do you do about data conflicts? Um, do you delete the do you delete the data item? Do you replay the do you replay the transaction again? Uh, do you try to recover from an even earlier previous point? And like you say, can you replay that far back at all? So um, yeah, great point. Yeah, again, I think that goes back to um, just the level of detail and protection you've got to. Uh, build into all your processes when you start playing with databases because databases are something that you can't easily repair or just redeploy from scratch. You you can't fully have your throw-it-away container mentality, uh, or at least not without some sort of pers- persistent storage type thing along with your container mentality. But yes, so you can't just immediately plop them down when they go wrong because you've got your uh, in-flight, I shouldn't say in-flight, you've got your existing data to think about. And I suppose that leads us to um, maybe the last thing, which the other thing about databases, they're not all the same. As with the applications connecting to them, the applications aren't the same, different databases aren't the same. And um, this means that it's not necessarily easy to uh, make your application move to a different database type. What you end up doing is, is potentially being tightly coupled to a database technology or a method for implementation. So whilst uh, databases are solving issues that they are themselves uh, bringing about issues yeah and again that is something that you can potentially start to think about mitigating with a sort of thin adaption layer in the front just simply because it turns your tightly coupledness into a a slightly more loosely coupled thing yeah so you get the benefits of the uh, database reliability with the uh, with the flexibility and decoupled uh, decoupled nature of uh, remote procedures, so completely right. I think we can probably uh, summarise uh, shared databases there. Mm-hmm. There are other, there are other topics I'm sure we could go into. Um, anyone who's not familiar with the terms, you want to be looking at things like ACID, CAP theorem. Um, I'll add some links in, but there's a whole bunch of stuff. I've um, been trying they... so hard to not say CAP theorem all this time. Pack elk, and then um, obviously, what we've not discussed is availability, um, availability types and methods, and we'll mm-hmm. potentially be talking about them in in other podcast series, another date. So quorum sharding. So 
if we were to summarize, Peter, the cloud um, database? They're necessary for your organization, so you're going to have to integrate with one anyway. So you might as well do a little bit of thinking because it's very easy to make your life incredibly hellish. If I was to summarize, I would say if you're managing the state, if you have data that you need to be accurate and consistent, the database is, is the only way to go. The ability to have multiple applications interact with data and state from the same location is, is phenomenally useful in integrating systems and uh, looking at the limitations and the benefits. The benefits massively outweigh the limitations when the limitations um, would apply to uh, even the applications if you weren't applying it to the database. And if you can think of any legitimate businesses or organizations or companies that do not use a database or require state, then let us know. And with that, I think we've uh, probably come to the end of our uh, brief, very, um, very high level view into shared databases. Lovely. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye bye. Goodbye.